0: .io. It's Gone Mobile. Hey everyone and welcome back to Gone Mobile. This episode's being recorded on March 9th, 2015. So for this episode, we're joined by Kevin Ford, the mobile practice lead over at Magenic. How's it going, Kevin? Welcome to the show.
1: Good, it's great to be here, Greg. It's warming up, warming up out here in Connecticut. The weather's getting good, and we're ready to go.
0: Yeah, here in New York too. It's it's a much welcome change. So so recently, you've been publishing a, a whole bunch of great blog posts on comparing uh, performance across different um, app building approaches and frameworks and and all that kind of thing. And you know, just to kind of start the conversation off, I, performance can be a pretty difficult thing to to talk about, and and even controversial at times to talk about and and even like measure accurately and make sure you're comparing apples to apples and and that sort of thing. Uh, What made you wanna start gathering and publishing your results around this?
1: Quite frankly, a lot of times I get asked questions around performance on different technologies. And uh, we as a company, we do Cordova, we do Xamarin, and we do the true native technologies or the vendor native technologies. And a lot of times customers ask us, well, which one of these performs and how does it perform? And there's a lot of anecdotal information out there about it. But the reality is, is I didn't find a lot of concrete information about which one from a performance perspective to use at which time. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, when you start looking at these technologies and there's a lot of factors involved in which one of the development technologies you may choose and performance is just one aspect of it. But with only anecdotal information out there, there was just really nothing good to go on. And the, choosing the right technology from a uh, performance perspective can actually really make or break a product. And I found that out uh, quite uh, uh quite uh, clearly when I did some of the testing because some of the technologies did really poorly to do certain types of tasks. And so it was important to have some kind of concrete measurements.
0: Right, so, so let's set the stage a little bit about kind of um, you know, what you were comparing and, and how you went about comparing it. So to kind of start off, like what, what platforms were you looking at here?
1: So from a development perspective, we're looking at um, doing iOS Objective-C we were looking at doing uh, Java for Android for the for the true native technologies. We looked at the classic Xamarin, and when I say classic Xamarin, what I'm really talking about is using uh, C# sharp on the back end and the native UIs. Mm-hmm. I did Xamarin Forms, and finally I did uh, Cordova via the new hybrid uh, apps that are part of Visual Studio. And the reason why I picked those are those are the ones we chose, and for the actual development platforms of the mobile devices, I should say, we looked at uh, Android and I looked at iOS. And the reason why I picked those is because those are the ones we encounter most frequently. It's not that we never encounter Windows Phone. It's just that compared to the other two, it's such a such an outlier. And I just didn't have time to dig into all three.
0: Right, right. And when comparing code performance across all these different languages and frameworks, I mean, you have a lot of variables here. Like, how did you try and approach ensuring, you know, as fair as a comparison as possible?
1: that's so that's a that's a, um, a pretty good question. It gets right down to knowing what you're trying to test. Because at the end of the day, you can, you can make a, a slew of tests to go into and look at all kinds of things. And I I actually got some comments back on some of the tests where people were looking at for for me to test something different than what I tested. So the first thing you got to decide is what is it you're trying to test and then lock down the variables on that. And that gets really, really complex as it turns out, at least more complex than you might think it would be. And so I'll I'll give you an example of that. Um, So JavaScript, for example, how do you know when stuff is done? Right? So it's all very asynchronous. Things are rendering off in the background. So you start up a task, how do you really know when it's done? And sometimes that's not as easy as you may think it is. And so that's kind of one of the things I I started to fight with. And then I started thinking about, well, this is what I want to test. And you could do things a couple different ways. Uh, For example, you could say, I want to make sure I do things the same on every different platform. Or you could say, I want to do things the most efficiently on each platform. And for my particular set of tests, I decided to do things the same way on every platform. And that led to some some strange results, or not some strange results, but some strange ways of doing things. And so, for example, I did one set of tests where I was calculating primes, and because objective C didn't initialize the array, I had to initialize it to a default value. Well, in C-sharp, you don't necessarily have to do this, or you don't really have to do it because it's, it, automatically becomes initialized to a value. Mm-hmm. But I went through and I initialized it to a value anyways, just so I was doing the same thing I was doing in Objective-C.
0: Interesting, and did you find that that um, kind of leveled the playing field or did it, did it give some, some of the, the tests there maybe an unfair advantage if, if the language or the, that platform happened to be better at the particular algorithm or approach that you took?
1: And, and that's a great question. At the end of the day, Definitely some of the tests pulled out things that could be done differently on the different platforms But the real difficulty in saying that you're going to do things the best way that they can be done on a platform Is it's as an individual? It's hard for me to know on all these platforms what the absolute best way to do things on each platform And I think it's difficult for anyone to know that especially across all these disparate platforms because we're really talking about eight Right? there's four languages and two platforms And so I bet you as soon as I wrote a test where I said that I'm doing things the best way on any particular platform, the most performant way, somebody would write back to me and go, well, you should have done this. And they'd probably be right. (laughs)
0: Okay. <laughs> and that would be the case regardless of whether you were comparing platforms and languages. And it, there's always probably a, a way to do something that's better or faster. So it's it's tough, certainly tough to find that balance.
1: Exactly. And, and, and at the end of the day, it gets back down to what I was really trying to test. I was saying, trying to find out apples to apples comparisons. Um, so, for example, I'll give you another, another kind of thing that went in that area where I was actually trying to write to a SQLite database. And so I could have tried to write... 1,000 records as as basically as quick as I could into that database. But I really wanted to do, or what I personally wanted to do, was I wanted to go and take a look at, well, if I were just gonna put one record in that database, total soup to nuts from beginning to end, how long does that take me on each of the platforms, right? And then what I did is I did it a 1,000 times. And the reason why I did it a 1,000 times is I wanted to find out how long it would take me to do that one operation, but I needed to do it enough times to make the operation last long enough to be able to measure it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And that's a very different uh, measure than if you'd say, well, how long will it take me to get 1000 records in the database? Right? Because there's a lot of ways I could have done to make that faster. Uh, for example, I could have put it all in one transaction, I could have done it asynchronously, but that wouldn't tell me how long would it take to put one of these in the database with its, uh, associated overhead of the transaction itself.
0: Right, right. So so the big thing that you were trying to me- measure is really just balloon out that one, you know, the, the case of adding one record with something a little more predictable there.
1: Yes, exactly. So when you start scaling up, when you start looking at doing things multiple times, you're doing that for two possible reasons. One is you're looking to find out how long it takes you to put that total number of times in, in a normal operation, or you're taking a single disparate operation and multiplying it out by multiple times to find out how long and get something measurable that you can take a look at how long it takes to do each one of those single disparate operations. And that's Mm. what I was doing.
0: Right, and from an implementation standpoint, the the database one is actually one of the ones I was was most curious about, just because even if you're just picking one of the frameworks, like if you just go with, you know, native Android or native iOS or, you know, Xamarin, uh, the Xamarin equivalent on both of those, there's any number of ways you can go about coding up database access. You can use, uh, I mean, with Xamarin, you can use the ADO.net stuff. You can use a, an abstraction built on top of that. You can go right down to the you know, the Android or the iOS SDK to do it with core data or the built-in Android stuff. Um, and I suspect that your performance is going to vary a lot depending on which of those routes you go. Uh, did, you, did you incorporate different coding approaches in, in this particular case at all?
1: I'm glad you asked me that because I did exactly that. And the reason why I did that is because I found that there was a significant difference in performance. And I wasn't planning on doing it that way. Uh, what I had done is I was working with uh, writing things to a SQL database. And when I got to the Xamarin platform, I, I tried to do things that were, were kind of native to the, to the Xamarin platform because I, want, I, was, I wanted to do it uh, in a way that was cross-platform, quite frankly. I wanted to only write it once and have it work on Android and iOS and not have to mess around with it because I was trying to get it done. And so what I did is I used link queries and I opened the table object and ran link queries against them. And I found out that Xamarin was performing significantly worse than the native technologies, either iOS or Android or Cordova. And when I mean significantly, it was like 33% worse. It was really, really a noticeable difference. And I was like, oh, why is that? And it was just on Android that this was happening. I was fine. Now on, on Android, I was actually using a, uh, an Android um, base class that was specific to Android when I was doing it with true native. Mm-hmm. And there was actually an implementation uh, on Xamarin that I could use for the same SQLite libraries. So I did a separate set of tests using that base class in the exact same method I used on the Android platform in Java. And suddenly, lo and behold, my Android issues cleared up, right? <laughs> and the performance was almost exactly the same as it was using Java and native Android.
0: And when you say almost exactly the same, um, so was was the Xamarin uh, that particular approach using Xamarin slower or slightly slower than the the Java implementation?
1: I'd have to look at the numbers. It was, um, I believe, it was within about two one-hundredths of a second, but it was about the same. Um, quite frankly, you start getting within about <laughs> two-tenths of a second, or I should say two-tenths of a second. Um, it's hard to tell the difference between the two, especially, um, I, I think I didn't talk about this earlier, but one of the ways that I was doing timing is I was doing stopwatch timings. And stopwatch timings really rely on your ability to hit that, uh, the stopwatch consistently, which is why I did it 10 times and averaged it out. And so there's a certain amount of uh, an error that can come in there, about 2 tenths of a second. But 2 tenths of a second usually isn't uh, all that uh, particularly germane for, for user experience if it's only that 2 tenths of a second. So it might be well within the realm of the margin of error.
0: Right, and out of curiosity there, and, and I'm glad you, you made sure that we covered the the timing since we missed that in the, the initial intro there. Um, uh, was it an intentional, or was it a conscious decision, rather, to go with more of a stopwatch timing? Like, was that meant to to be more of a, a user-perceived performance, um, as opposed to going to, like right to the code and using code stopwatches?
1: Uh, there were a couple of reasons for that. And I had done a series of these tests for clients before, who asked for them to be done. And the real issue got back to HTML and JavaScript and knowing when things were done. Mm. Uh, So the the accuracy of the timing within JavaScript, for the most part, normally is not as good as the Windows timer. And B, because of the asynchronous nature of JavaScript and knowing when things are done rendering, it's hard to tell when things are done except when you see them be done on the screen. Uh, So I went with a stopwatch approach, which is, eh, for all intents and purposes, pretty good. Now, interestingly enough, I was talking to the Cordova team the other week at Microsoft about how they were doing timings. And they actually got in, and they were using a phone camera. And mm-hmm. they started; they took basically started recording when they hit the uh, the option. And when it was done rendering, they were recording the entire thing. They were able to tell from a very s- detailed perspective when it was done, based on watching the recording in slow motion. And so they got very accurate timings that way. And so if I were going to do this again, which I probably will in the future, put another set of posts up, I'll be using the same uh, same uh, technique they did.
0: That's a pretty good approach, then. So it's, so it's a measurable stopwatch around a, a more of a visual cue. That's, that definitely exactly. seems like a pretty smart way to do it.
1: Yeah. Though, though there is the, the chance of contamination here. And I don't want to get too far into the science of this. But really, the reality is so since there's a visual component, if you're actually testing something non-visual, you get contamination from the rendering of the visual component. And so there's an argument to be made that these different visual components render at different speeds. So, for example, if you're dealing with the native technologies, those may come up quicker than rendering out some HTML or going through something like Xamarin Forms, which is an abstraction that's trying to figure out what the native uh, platforms are supposed to be showing. Which basically any abstraction there is going to add some level of contamination
0: to your test. Right. So, I mean, speaking, you know, to the, the comparison then, you know, using the, the example, say, of, of writing a thousand records to a SQLite database, like, what were, the, what were the comparisons like between, you know, Native versus Xamarin versus Cordova? Like, what, what did you end up observing there?
1: So, it depended on the test. In general, I'll just say this in general, Cordova was, was, was slowest of all of them, in general. Sometimes Xamarin was actually faster than the native technologies, which did surprise me. But there's some that were, were really outliers. And so one of these outliers was how Cordova and basically JavaScript dealt with any processor intensive task. And so what I did is I actually did a prime calculation, a prime number calculation, and it was a Siva Eratosthenes. And I don't know if you know how this works, but it basically it goes through and starts at two and you put a top number on it. I think I put like 5 million on it. And there's a big giant array out there. So it says two that hasn't been found before, it's prime. And then any multiple of two, it marks it as not being able to be prime. And then you go to three and since that hasn't been marked before, that's gotta be prime. And then you mark any multiple of three in the array as not being valid. And then when you get four, you're going to see that's already marked. So that can't be prime. So you skip it and you move on to five. And so that's how that worked. It was a very tight loop, right? Very processor intensive. And what I found was Cordova was really slow compared to the others, really slow. And it was, it was not just one time slow, not just two times slow, but it was, it was much slower. And that, that really surprised me. I was expecting somewhat slower. I wasn't expecting exactly how slow it was.
0: Right, and I suppose it it kind of all goes back to, you know, there's always gonna be someone who claims that there's probably a a better way you could have gone about it. And I would imagine that for something like Cordova, that you would want to do some sort of binding to a native thing for computationally heavy operations.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point as well. Uh, I think what this particular test was, was trying to test wasn't doing the C, the C veracity is the most uh, basically performant ways you could calculate prime numbers. It was trying to take a complex looping operation, or maybe not right. that complex, but a looping operation and say, hey, how much overhead do these tight loops really have uh, on JavaScript? And so what I ended up dealing with was it was uh, something like 15 times slower for iOS and, and 20 time, 22 times worse uh, on Android. Um, sure, there may be some other better ways to do that particular calculation. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the tests I had done previously for clients was taking a look at loading JSON. And you might say, oh, well, that's going to be kind of the CPU-intensive processor-intensive task, and maybe that stinks on, uh, on JavaScript as well. As it turns out, no, it doesn't. Why? Because there's native JavaScript libraries that do this that aren't written in JavaScript. They're actually uh, basically platform native libraries you're running through that and it's very quick, right? In fact our testing when I done it for that client was just as quick as Xamarin, if not quicker in some cases.
0: Right. Yeah, and I and I guess the bigger point about, you know, oh the fact that you could drop down to native and still access it from Objective C or I mean from Cordova rather, I it it also speaks to the the convenience of those platforms. Cause obviously if, if you're developing on in Cordova, you're your preference is going to be to you, to write HTML and to write JavaScript to do all this stuff. Like it's it's kind of going to be kind of a pain if you constantly have to drop down into to C or Objective C or or whatever if if you just need to do some basic calculations. So it's it's pretty interesting to hear that there was such a, a stark difference between that and the the other platforms in your tests.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I took a look at uh, IO2. And so when you're dealing with the IO on Cordova in particular, you're dropping down to to, uh, native code and going into plugins that deal with that. Uh, It was somewhat slower, though it wasn't. Really, what I encountered with the uh, the processor-intensive task it wasn't nearly as bad, and, and you make a good point, right? So, if you're going to go with one of these platforms, the idea of going behind the platform is to stay within the framework. As soon as you're going into Cordova and you're writing your own plugin, one in Objective C and one in Java, well, that's that's uh, really not nearly as effective, right? So, you're going outside the uh, the realm of why you're going to the platform for and same with uh, i think it's very comparable to what you do with xamarin forms where sometimes you have to hop down to write custom renderers and when you're doing that right now you're writing uh, platform specific code just like you're doing with classic xamarin and so this is one of those things where there's a tipping point where you got to ask yourself am i going down to write so many platform renderers to make it perform well where it would have been better to do it native or some other technology in the first place
0: Right. And, and that's why I find um, studies like this to be particularly interesting because they, they tend to highlight with some of the like every every abstraction is going to leave you with, you know, there's going to be a hurdle at some point or a wall that you're going to hit at some point. So so the you know, studies like this are, are good at kind of smoking out where some of those walls might be. And then you can use that to make an educated decision around which platform or which approach is going to be right for you.
1: Yeah, and that, that's absolutely true. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you have to think of uh, one particular term, and that's the idea of uh, materiality, right? And that gets down to, all right, so is performance different different here? And if the performance w- is worse in this platform that I'm looking at, is it material, right? Is it, is it making enough of a difference where it's going to be noticed by my users, where it's going to be a problem for the success of the product in the long run?
0: Right, absolutely. So then, and so we talked quickly about um, you know writing a thousand records to, to a SQLite database and and kind of the which platforms did better and worse and was that consistent across? Um, out of curiosity, like across also writing to a file or or even reading out of that same database.
1: It tended to be, yes. It was very, very similar, the results on, on each of the platforms and on how they performed. There were small variations. Sometimes it was better on Android, sometimes it was better on iOS for different technologies. Uh, in general, how it was is uh, classic Xamarin was normally for these technologies, assuming that you used, a, with that one, one difference where I was talking about with Android, but assuming you used the, the quote unquote correct way to do it, was near comparable. Uh, in some cases and some of the tests better. Uh, Xamarin.Forms uh, did have, for things that actually displayed on the UI, there was a noticeable overhead of Xamarin forms, right? So as soon as I got down to th- throwing up a list of those records, well, suddenly there's an overhead, somewhat of an overhead, not a, not a huge overhead, but an overhead. Um, and, and normally Cordova brought up the rear. Sometimes not, not a lot, sometimes not a lot at all. And, and sometimes the difference between them was, was pretty small.
0: That's interesting. So, so using the the list of a thousand things as an example, I mean, out of curiosity, did you do any testing to see, like, what what sort of tipping point there was before one of like the platform maybe started kind of being a little sluggish, like if it was a hundred records or five hundred or a thousand.
1: Yeah. So that 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 is another great question because that gets down to not only um, and and we talked about the contamination of the UI. Well, i ran into the contamination of the UI. Uh, with this as well, uh, and, and in particular, in the Cordova platform. And what I mean by this, I was using Intel's app framework. And so when you get a list of items and are displaying it on the screen, there was no normal handling within an HTML list for handling large list of items, right? And so at the end of the day, Xamarin, Xamarin forms and the native technologies You can be dealing with a very large collection in the background, but natively how these controls work is they're all paging the UI. You're dealing with the same, you know, 10, 15 cells that you're displaying over and over and over again and loading with data as the user scrolls. Mm -hmm. With HTML, you're loading up all 1,000 at once. Have a nice day. So my original test, when I originally was doing this, I was doing 10,000, and I got it on the Cordova box, and it was like... And I can't scroll anything. And I was like, oh, this is just unworkable. Unworkable. And it wasn't because um, necessarily the writing to the database was bad or the reading from the database was bad. It was actually the contamination of the UI component was causing problems with it.
0: And out of curiosity, have you come across... Are th- I'm assuming that this isn't a, a problem that like only you and your tests have come across. Like Long lists are kind of a, one of the canonical problems in mobile apps. Like, Is there... Have you have you come across any better approaches for, for doing similar kinds of paging or cell reuse?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's there's ways to do it out there. Um, I just didn't have a simple way to do it in a lot of these libraries. I know my some of my teams have come up with paging approaches for the loading cells and reusing them. Um, it's it's possible to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, if you go to a website, right? They they show you how this is done, right? Because at the end of the day, Cordova app is just a website. Um, so you can do all kinds of ways to, to, to have this it's whether or not and and to what extent you want it to look like a natural mo- uh, mobile application if you do the more traditional paging right what you're really talking about is you know forward and next to your forwarding next to the pages the very natural kind of scrolling a lot of times I found that you're writing code to do that
0: okay interesting and then one of the other things that I'm definitely curious about is uh, like what you observed around different um, app sizes, say like even just a, a baseline app size for these different frameworks, since that's always kind of a, a contentious topic of, or, or a topic that people new to have one of these abstraction frameworks kind of bandy about it, is being really worried about. Like,
1: yeah, and that's that's a, it's a fair it's a fair worry, uh, particularly if you're dealing with mobile devices that have slower intermittent connections, where the size of the app and the download uh, time of the app can become an issue uh, if you're dealing with enterprise apps and everybody's uh, getting it off of some MDM somewhere and they're doing it over you know you know Wi-Fi eh, it's probably not that much of a difference but there definitely is a difference in the size of the app and so I started doing these and I found the native apps are really small and exactly what you'd expect so some of them mm-hmm. were, were basically half a Meg right because these were, were pretty inconsequential applications there wasn't a lot going on with them. And then I found that uh, the Cordova apps, a lot of times, sometimes they're bigger, sometimes they're about the same. But when you've really gotten into the big apps with Xamarin, and if you start thinking about what Xamarin's doing, it makes sense why this is so. So what Xamarin's doing is it's providing an implementation of the .NET framework and bundling along with the app and trying to figure out what you may or may not need and throwing it in there. And this is where it comes down to, it's really important to pay attention to some of those settings in the project file. And I don't know if you heard of the, the linking settings, but they're in the project settings. And there's basically three of them. So by default, in develop, or, or debug mode, you're doing no linking. And what, what the linker does is it goes through the project and looks for stuff that you might not be using and tries to get rid of it. And so by default, it does none. And what that really means is that the entire Mono implementation of the .NET framework is getting sucked into that uh, that package that you're sending out. Any libraries you're putting in, third-party libraries you're downloading from NuGet, well, you're sucking them all in too and distributing them as well, and putting them all into this package, which is substantially substantially bigger than some of the other ones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the second option is SDK only. And what this really means is it's going through and it's taking a look at the Xamarin implementation of the .NET framework and pulling out anything that it thinks you're not going to use. And the final one is trying to link all assemblies and the SDKs. And there it's actually taking a look at your code and the third-party assemblies you may have linked to and trying to get rid of anything, throwing anything overboard that it thinks you don't need, which is great, except it always doesn't know what you need. And so I've had trouble with doing the... uh, linking all assemblies, and the reason why is a lot of these third-party assemblies uh, use some level of uh, reflection or some level of abstraction through inversion of control where it's not necessarily obvious to the compiler what's being used and what's not being used. There's a couple options where you can go in there and say, hey, this particular namespace, I don't care what it says or what you think it's being used, keep it. And though that takes a little trial and error to get it right. So Xamarin definitely was the one that had the biggest size of the package. There's ways to get the package smaller and it's doable. But I'd like to just a little editorial comment around this. Mm -hmm. The size of the package is not necessarily a huge thing because when I've done earlier tests on this for clients, the size of the package becomes changed quite a bit by the amount of collateral in the package. And so what I mean by that is if you have a lot of uh, image collateral, and what you do a lot of times on mobile apps, sometimes the size of that collateral is more than the difference in the amount of the extra packages you're bringing along. So yeah, there might be a difference, but in the end of the day, is it is it gets back to that materiality thing, right? So you might say, oh, it's bigger with Xamarin, is that a problem? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Is it material? That's the question you should be asking
0: yourself. So then with respect to the the test that you are running, I which Uh, Did you do any experimentation with the different linker settings, or did you kind of just pick one as your your baseline setting?
1: I had done some experimentation. I didn't put the results online. Uh, There there is a pretty big difference between not doing any linking and the uh, APKs, or I should say the uh, the SDKs only. But -hmm. at the end of the day, what I found makes the biggest difference is how many third-party libraries you're, you're bringing in. It's a pretty big difference doing the SDK only, but whether that makes a big difference Depends on what you're bringing in. And so uh, we we work on one project for a uh, show we do called Modern Apps Live and we make a little voting app and it's cross-platform. And so we use Xamarin to hit iOS and Android. So for that particular one, we just do the SDKs only, but we wanted to show everything in action. So we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. So at the end of the day, (laughs) it's still a huge, a huge package because all these libraries are in there. None of them are being linked. And so when you start thinking about that, absolutely, how many packages you're bringing in are going to have a big impact on how much you put out or how big the size of the packages if you're not right. going to link those
0: right and and that would make for a pretty interesting comparison point too and cuz i the way i look at at app size there there's kind of two two sides of that coin there's the the initial hit that you take so basically the the baseline your app is probably not going to be under you know x megs or so um, but then the the second factor there is, okay, once you take that that baseline out of the equation, like how quickly does this app size grow? Like Is that the general penalty that you're going to pay, or are you going to grow pretty linearly with, with code that you write and bring in? Um, so I don't know if you, you, you tried to men- measure both dimensions there at all.
1: I did, I did. So I did separate testing that actually took a look at how long the application took to load. And so part of that, you think, well, part of that is going to be how big the size of the package is. And that's, that's true, right? Because you gotta load it off the actual storage device. So there's a certain amount of truth for that. But there's also the initialization of the code. And so remember, there's a couple things happening on these different platforms. So when you're, when you're dealing with, with native or true native, the vendor native technologies, there's necessarily a lot of initialization of libraries or logic that's happening, right? When you're working with Cordova, It's actually initializing the entire runtime that it needs to understand how to deal with HTML and JavaScript and run that entire interpreted language. Similarly, with with Xamarin, there's a certain amount of overhead where it's loading up the .NET uh, runtime and to deal with that. And finally, on forms, of course, if you look at forms and you're setting up forms, Xamarin forms, there's that call to init in there. And so that's actually doing some work. And it's, it's basically going through looking at namespace, trying to f- discover custom renders and things like that. So there's an overhead there as well. So basically what I found when I took a look at this, definitely the vendor-native technologies were generally the best with classic Xamarin being pretty much on par with that. Um, there was, on Android, I found a slight hit on classic Xamarin. But pretty near native technologies. Uh, Cordova was definitely the worst, and Xamarin Forms had a noticeable overhead in the load time, but not nearly as bad as Cordova. Cordova was definitely the slowest loading of the four on both platforms, Android and iOS.
0: Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun is an essential tool for every developer, helping you detect and diagnose your errors in real time so your team can fix bugs faster. Just a few lines of code is all it takes to get started, and you'll be amazed how quickly you start receiving reports from all of your apps. Why wait for frustrated users to notify you when they hit a bug, and then spend your time digging through log files? Raygun notifies you immediately and with all the information you need. Raygun keeps everyone informed, so whether you have 1 or 100 developers, you'll get everything you need to become an awesome development team. Start your free trial today at raygun.io and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Um, and out of curiosity, besides load time, too, is there did you do any measurement around uh, memory usage and that sort of thing as well, especially during some of the maybe the big computational tests that you were running and, and that kind of thing? So that
1: is a great question and a great subject for a test. Unfortunately, I did not do it. <laughs> uh, and so I guess I, you're
0: gonna have to keep going. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to keep going. It, it is a great. It's something I've been thinking about. Um, there's different tools that allow you to do that. Of course, Xamarin is coming out with some tools to allow that. But though I'm not entirely sure if they only work on the Xamarin platform, I'll be able to test other apps with this as well. Um, it's definitely something I'm, I'm extremely interested in to see what the change in the memory footprint is as these apps are being used uh, it's definitely a good question it's one of those things there's a there's a million different uh tests that could be run and they're not just cross-platform tests, but also within the individual platforms themselves, taking a look at, well, what's the best way to do things? Uh, I was just in a call the other day with some guys from Xamarin, and and just in that call, and we weren't necessarily talking about performance comparisons, but I was just like, hmm, I should test that to see which one's better. (laughs) (laughs) And and you you come across this stuff all the time, and it comes down to a a factor of, well, how much time do I have to actually dig into that? But absolutely, that, that would be a great test to run.
0: Yeah, I would, I would definitely be interested to see what came of that. Um, so what about, what about network access? I know that I saw uh, at least one test in, in your suite there that, that loaded a list from Azure Mobile Services. So what did you observe around network connectivity?
1: So what I found, and, and I'm not sure this is really a difference in net, network connectivity as much as it was a difference in the actual libraries and how the libraries are written. So in that particular case, uh, by far, Xamarin was the quickest. Uh, And and that surprised me a little bit. I was like, oh, why why should Xamarin be quicker than the native technologies? And I was like, yeah, it could be because of how the library quite frankly was written. Uh, So Azure, of course, is a Microsoft product. It it makes sense that they put most of their their time and dedication to getting it optimized for C-sharp, and maybe Mm -hmm. not quite so much time in getting it optimized for say JavaScript, or doing it in Java or Objective-C, for example. And so that's, that's hard to tell because there's, there's really two components that were in that test, right? There's the actual network access itself, and then there's the, the how well the libraries are written factor. And, and my personal suspicion is that is really more a factor of the libraries and how the libraries are written than it is in the actual network connectivity. Having said that, that, that goes to show you, it, it may, if you got to look at what technologies you're using around the product as well, because if you're going to use Azure Mobile Services, well, guess what? You're using that library, right? <laughs> Have a nice day.
0: Exactly. And and you kind of uh, alluded to one of the other things I was pretty curious about, too. And that's that, you know, you mentioned a few times now that sometimes Xamarin even outperforms uh, native Android or native iOS. And I know at least in the case of um, native Android, some, sometimes it really boils down to which classes you're using in Xamarin, because that's going to impact whether... I mean, if you're using a pure, you know, uh, BCL class, like something that's a pure C-sharp class, that's actually gonna run 100% on the mono runtime. It doesn't need to do any kind of cross communication uh, with with Dalvik or or whatever, or Art, the Android runtime. Um, But if you're using classes that extend from uh, Java.Lang.Object, and there's going to have to be, you know, the, these memory references on both runtimes and some garbage collection overhead of both runtimes. So I'd be curious to know if you kind of noticed anything in particular um, of using, say, like pure Java classes even from C# Sharp versus using, um, you know, the C# Sharp equivalent, like things like lists and and that sort of thing.
1: I didn't test particularly for that. Uh, the the test where I really came across that was where I was trying to do the same thing on all platforms. Though there is a difference, but what you're describing is particular to the Android platform. So right. I, I think there there's definitely could be a difference in that. I stayed generally to doing things the .NET, with .NET classes when I did the uh, the tests, such as uh, the C of RAS, Rasnies or okay. dealing with Azure. Though that's not to say I was testing specifically for whether or not there would actually be any, uh, let's just say, serialization or issues with going across the uh, the different garbage collectors or anything of that nature. I didn't particularly test for, it. though. I would say the iOS handles things differently and, and what, I, what I think is really interesting there when Xamarin performs better than iOS is of course iOS is going down to a true binary right so there's no uh, per se runtime interpretation of p code or anything any garbage collectors involved well there is technically a garbage collector involved but it sits there on top of Xamarin but really at the end of the day it's still a, a real native uh, binary unlike uh, Java so that I start wondering so there's something that looks different going through the compiler on iOS. And I'm wondering if, if they're doing something a little more intelligently with the compiler on Xamarin when it's actually faster than iOS, or what actually is going on in there?
0: Hmm. Well, that actually kind of reminds me of one thing that we we glossed over a little bit in the beginning. Um, but it's actually one thing that's even changing on the Android side is now that they're moving to more of a ahead of time compilation sort of thing. Um, like, what were the... Like for, for the different platforms, you know, maybe starting with Android, just to use to use that as an example, like what were the devices and Android versions that, version or versions that you were using to, to test this stuff?
1: Sure. So I, I went to an actual physical device for each one of the platforms, and I just did it on, on one device for each platform. I, I certainly could have done it on, on more devices. Uh, I was actually talking to the Cordova guys, and, and they actually try to get equivalent devices to try to see the differences and say, well, comparing... Uh, iOS to Android, though I didn't do that. There's a lot of contamination involved in there, not just in the hardware, but the actual operating systems themselves. Right. Um, but the devices I use is I used a uh, just an iPad Mini, and so they're both tablets. And on the uh, I used an Ostec uh, Asus or depending on how you want to pronounce that a K 0 F, which is just a standard Android tablet.
0: Uh, and which version of Android and iOS were those running?
1: Uh, so it's Jelly Bean on the Android side. And okay. on iOS, it was uh, version 8.
0: Yeah, I'd be pretty curious to see if um, if like on KitKat or, or Lollipop that you start to see performance improvements or, or degradations even on, on the Android side of things using the new uh, Android runtime stuff instead of Dalvik.
1: Oh, yeah, I would not be surprised to see that at all. Uh, what you'd have to do to do such a test, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, is you'd actually have to do same devices, different version of the operating system. Or right. even better, you have the same device where you upgraded the operating system and ran the test again. Because you want to be very careful to make sure that you're testing an apples to apples situation with the exact same hardware involved.
0: Right, which is always tough to accomplish. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of having enough devices on hand to do it. You, know? <laughs> well, you need your own personal test cloud.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I think those of us who are mobile developers and, and uh, start thinking about it. So, do I have a, a Windows phone? Yep. Do I have an a Apple phone? Yep. Do I have an Android phone? Yeah. How about tablets? Do I have a Windows tablet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start going through all the devices you got. You got like one of everything because you need it to do any kind of work. But even with all of that, you can't possibly test every uh, possible connotation that's out there, which is why you get products like Xamarin's test Cloud and all the other different testing suites where they actually have large stables of the devices more than you could possibly have as an individual
0: exactly yeah and and as you mentioned you know the version update part is sometimes the hardest part because I know I know I have devices at work that I kind of keep marked off as like I don't care what iOS tells you please don't update this device because I really need this installed version of iOS and exactly
1: because kind of <laughs> it's hard to go back right so with, with, yeah, very hard particularly <laughs> with iOS it's like well how do you get it back well you don't really
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um, so I know we, we talked about a few other things I, I was curious if you also um, noticed anything around battery usage for some of these different frameworks?
1: Uh, once again, not, not a set of tests that I, I particularly ran. Um, it's a good test. Uh, what you would probably have to do to do such a test, now that I'm thinking about it, is you'd want to put some kind of tax on the CPU. And you'd have to be careful because you'd have to do something that put a similar tax on all the CPUs. Well, no, no, I think what you know, I'm I'm sorry, I'm thinking out loud because I haven't actually done this test and how I would design it. (laughs) Probably what you would do is you'd want to do the same operation to see the difference in the CPU amount that's hitting and seeing how that impacts battery life. So you do something like that that prime calculation, except you keep running it over and over again and sit there and and measure the battery life at the beginning and run it for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever period you determine. recharge a battery back up to the same amount and run the same test on a different uh, development uh, uh, tool like uh, Cordova or, or xamarin or whatever.
0: right yeah and and battery is definitely a tough one to measure I'm actually in the midst of I'm probably one of the reasons why it was on the top of my mind is I'm in the midst of like my own sort of battery tests around things like screen brightness and network um, network load and things like that uh, it's so but it's a it's a very time-consuming thing to test because you need to also have a good baseline for what would the drain be with the screen brightness without any network traffic. And there, there are enough combinations there that it gets pretty tough to to be able to narrow out, you know, the the control groups there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because the the, the thing behind each one of these tests is you're trying to narrow it down as much as possible to one variable, right? So you're trying right. to change just one thing and seeing the difference. And I think one of the, the, the major problems from battery test is of course the sources of contamination. I keep on using this word contamination, but it's really important to think about. So how do you make it so that when your test is running and it's uh, you're basically exercising the CPU to see what the battery drain is, that the device is not doing anything else that would contaminate the test because it needs to be doing the exact same thing if I'm doing it on Cordova, as if I'm doing it on Xamarin, as if I'm doing it on uh, Java or or, or Objective-C, you wanna make sure the rest of the device is doing the exact same work. And so if a device is, let's just say, connected to a network and suddenly, in the middle of your your test for one of the platforms, it starts downloading a big email message, well, you've just contaminated your test.
0: exactly yeah it's tough i mean i'll be interested to see what comes of this but it'll probably take me weeks to get anything meaningful
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's an interesting test i think it's a good test uh, i personally suspect what it's going to come down to is uh exactly what i just said the amount of the battery drain is going to depend a lot on how you, how much you're exercising the cpu that's my suspicion mm.
0: Right. So so let you know, we we've talked in you know, pretty much totally about, you know, numbers and actual observed results, but you know, just to, to leave that aside for a second, I'd be curious to to take more of a subjective um, look at, at kind of what you've come across. Is I mean like numbers are one thing, but one of the thing that that really Probably the thing that matters the most for, for any application is more perceived performance rather than you know number performance, uh, and to some extent that that's what you were kind of targeting with you know being able to you know measuring when the UI was done showing something rather than when the code said it was done. But I'd be curious if you if you noticed anything interesting around that as well as far as uh, the responsiveness of, of the different frameworks and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so there is one thing you've got to be interested in, in particular with Cordova, because what Cordova is doing, of course, it's really putting an HTML UI on top of the application. And so HTML was originally not designed around the idea of touch. It was designed around the idea of click, or more particularly, the fact that you could do a double click. Right, And so how this works is normally when you touch the screen, it considers that a click and then it'll wait a third of a second just in case you want to double click, which on a Windows environment is fine. You got a mouse there. You don't really notice it on a touch device. You notice that delay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually libraries out there that you can use to try to get rid of that delay, which is great when they work and i found <laughs> that they don't always work that's the real problem i had and the one the platform that i really came across pain with this on was ios uh when these platforms are that don't really work, you're sitting there just banging on the device of your finger going, work, click, click. And then you've got to start your timing again because you just clicked it twice and you don't know when you really started. <laughs> <laughs> that and, sounds like fun. Yeah. And so, so the iOS ones on Cordova were very painful because of this and, and very unresponsive UIs. And so as I said, there's libraries out there that you can use to try to get around this. Uh, it can certainly help you out to do to use such a library but having said that it doesn't always work uh, for example i was doing a proof of concept for a client and they had a very rich UI application with a lot of grids in it and graphs and things like that and on the graphs themselves this library to remove that three or third of a second delay just didn't work we never mm-hmm. could get it to work with this this graphing library, so the graphing library was there, and we compared it to Xamarin. On Xamarin, you sit there and you click on the graph, and things would move around and display in background, just fluid as can be. You do the same thing on Cordova, because we couldn't get rid of that third of a second delay. Boy, you noticed it. You just noticed it. A third of a second doesn't seem like a, a huge amount of time, but it's just enough to be noticed.
0: Right, and that, and that's really one of the big differences between all these things. So then, what are your? I mean, you mentioned earlier that you know you were probably going to follow this up with some more uh, blog posts in the series. I mean, what in particular are you going to try to target? Is it you know new test cases, new platforms, frameworks? So there's a lot
1: of lot of area you could go down with in, in new new uh, new frameworks. Um, for example, Telerik has their their new platform out, where it's basically you write it in JavaScript and it emits native controls out. And I think it's, it's Truescript, is that what it's called, or, or
0: NativeScript? Uh, I believe so, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, I think it's NativeScript. I think that's it, and, which is a pretty good platform. Yeah, I don't, that's right. I don't know if I'm going to do that one quite yet. I, I certainly got my eye on that. It's an interesting technology. Uh, some people have brought up Windows Phone. Eh, maybe when they get enough market share. What I'm more <laughs> interested right now, this is my personal thoughts on this, is digging down into some of these platforms and starting to take a look at, well, how, how did things compare if I pick Xamarin or I pick Cordova and I want to do things this way versus that way, how do they compare?
0: Right. Well, we might have to have you back on the show to talk about all the stuff you find there too. Great.
1: Great. Love we'll to come back.
0: So, I mean, so that was a bunch of stuff. I mean, do you have any, any parting thoughts on, on the the subject of the performance across all these things or any particular takeaways that, that you want to make sure that, uh, listeners of the show kind of take away from this for their for their own apps that they're working on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've 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 talked a little bit about Cordova not performing as well. In fact, I've probably brought it up several times in this particular talk. So I just want to make it very clear: not all of these development platforms, Cordova included, perform poorly in all situations. There's some right. situations they're good for. There's some situations that that they're not good for. And so when you're trying to decide which one of these technologies you're going to use, performance is just one of the many metrics you want to look at. And, and there's a lot out there, right? So you got to look at like what your team skill set is, uh, what you have uh, in the enterprise, can you support it? Uh, what are you actually doing? What does your UI look like? And, and I don't want to by any means downplay that, that last one, which is what does your UI look like? Because the, the design of your UI can can easily dictate which platform works for you and which platform doesn't. And so all of these come into play. So don't necessarily take a look at, ah, oh, performance, that's the one end-all be-all uh, decision-making factor. That's one of many factors you're gonna look at. And not everything performs the same uh, in even each and every situation. And also how you, implement your code on each platform, as we talked about can have a big difference as well. So definitely look at the best way that you can do things on that platform. And as, as somebody who's coming in from, let's just say you've been an iOS developer, on Objective C for the last five years, and you come into a Xamarin project, we have, we have people like that at Majestic, how you would do things in Objective C is not necessarily the best and most performant way that you would do it on Xamarin. And 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 basically the, the reverse is true, right? So if you're coming into it as a .NET developer and you're trying to figure this Xamarin things out, how you would do things normally on .NET may or may not necessarily be the best performant way to do it on the Android platform, for example. And you might run into what I ran into with inserting those records into SQLite. And that gets down to think about how to optimize the platform you choose, right? So eventually you're gonna to have to come to a platform decision. And now that you've, you've taken a look at these platform uh, differences in the performance there, now you gotta figure out, all right, now that I've got this platform, whether it be Cordova or Xamarin or the vendor native technologies, how do I, how do I work within that platform to make sure I'm doing things in um, the most or best way for that platform? And finally, I wanna say this because it's, it's going against, to some extent, conventional wisdom, which is the, the vendor native technologies, the true native technologies, are not always the fastest in all situations. And that, that surprised me a little bit. I, I heard it anecdotally, but then when I actually did the testings, I found out it was, it was actually true. And the difference wasn't huge, but it was there.
0: Right, and probably there enough to, to make you at least have to consider the, the productivity and um, other gains that you might get from not going that route too. Which, like you, like you said, it's just one metric of, of many that you should consider.
1: That's absolutely right. And it gets back down to that idea of what's material or not. And so if you start looking at these tests and you're saying, oh, I've done extensive testing and I found out it's you know, a tenth of a second difference between whether I use, um, I don't know, Xamarin, Classic, or, or True Native. So I'm going to do the one that's a tenth of a second better because just because of that. Well, that's not really probably going to be material. There might be some situation or some type of app where you're writing where that particular difference in the performance is material, but chances are it's probably not. So you gotta be very careful on looking at is the difference in the performance really material to the situation of the application I'm trying to write.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for for coming on the show. I think that's a lot of really awesome advice for everyone.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And glad to be here. And uh, when I write another couple posts, maybe uh, come back.
0: We might have to. All right. Thanks again for coming on. and, And thanks to all of you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.